We've made it to week three. This is Best Coast Football. I'm Tim Kelly. And I'm Cody Peterson. And we are looking face-to-face in person. Is live, not on Zoom, Skype. Zoom. Zoom. But this is on... The old-fashioned way of doing podcasting. On an iPad. Back, back the way the settlers used to do it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and we got, we got a big on-field story. We got a big off-field story. Let's, let's start on which the is field. The biggest, we were just arguing before we started. Which is the bigger story? You know what? Uh, as someone who used to simulate the games on the college football video game... <laughs> Nobody cared. Let's talk about what's on the field, not what's okay, on the field. Okay, wow, what a, what a purist. <laughs> purist, yes. Uh, biggest on-field story, uh, we, you know, we talked about this is, you know, a huge week for the Pac-12 with, with um, non-conference games. And if there was one game we wanted to have for the conference's sake, it was going to be Oregon, Ohio State, on the road against a top-five opponent, a regular playoff participant. Uh, and Oregon goes in there and... Uh, Gets a victory, 35-28, a huge win for the conference. Did you uh, catch most of the game? I caught most of the game, yes. Um, you know, I started watching. I, I, I missed part of the first quarter. I mean, I went back and watched stuff. But, yeah, I was like, okay, this is a little slow. And then I saw Oregon was up. And I was like, oh, okay. And, um, I mean, I was, to be honest, I was building a deck in the backyard, but I had the doors open. I would yeah. I TV up as high as I could so I could listen in. And then eventually we turned on like the Fox, uh, Fox radio broadcast, which I'm not sure the orientation of who was covering the game for Fox radio, but they clearly wanted Ohio State to win. Like it was <laughs> like, a, we're not sure when Ohio State's going to get it together here, but we know, we know it's going to happen. So it was just like a very, for what I figured was like a national feed. Fr- feed. Yeah, yeah. It seemed pretty like one-sided. And obviously most fans are probably maybe slightly more familiar with Ohio State because yeah. of the last five years of you know their performance. Yeah. But man, what a, what a great win. I think there's two things that are super impressive how they did it, and who they did it without, right? Th- that, to me, is the biggest thing. So on the road, pounded the rock. Uh, they outrushed Ohio State t- 269 to 128 in terms of rushing yards. Um, C.J. Burdell was just a man amongst boys, 20 for 161, two touchdowns. Yeah. Um, they kept running this stretch play to the, to the sideline, just kind of like a really slow-developing run play to the edge, and he – consistently got loose for five plus yards on that play um big third down conversion late in the game and like you they cut to the sideline afterwards and just showed ryan day just like perp like really ticked off and kind of like frustrated that they could not get those stops on you know in multiple third and fives oregon had the stones to just run the ball which is pretty unusual in this day and age well that yeah and to, to your point i mean there i read multiple uh ohio state sites that were calling for change in defensive I mean their leadership. defense was pretty shaky the week before against yeah. Minnesota and clearly you know struggled to contain an offense that was you know it's just really tough to stomach watching another team grind your you know oh, yeah. grind it on the ground it, it you know it's not not like it's more fun to have a quarterback carve you up for you know a bunch of deep throws no. but just to like for Oregon to like very much commit to the run um and get it done with you know, between, um, you know, Travis Dye also had a nice t- job around the ball. Anthony Brown got loose. Yeah. Um, both of them contributed a lot to the, to the total rushing yards as well. Well. Just a very – it's just tough, you know. If you're an Ohio State fan, it's really tough to 
you've they've prided themselves on how you know they've produced a ton of elite NFL defensive linemen. Oh, their defensive get, lines have been the best. Up front. Yeah. Well, and and to your point too, a little bit about <clears throat> Ohio State. You know, their fellow state school Fresno the previous week uh, looked pretty good against. Yeah. And so when you you watch that and you're like, oh, they're going to be a without their best. Maybe the best player in the country. Yeah, definitely the best player in the conference. Conference, maybe their you know, best player. Their best player going to be a top five pick, assuming that injuries don't linger. And, uh, then, and then right before game time or at game time, announced that Justin Flo, <laughs> who we said was our defensive player of the week last week yes. for the conference, um, former top recruit out of California, really good player, who is going to be out for foot. Yeah, ankle? yeah, yeah. It's it's. it's and then, out for a while though right yeah, yeah it doesn't seem like it's a it's a one week thing um on you know t- to make Oregon fans feel a little bit better they've got mighty Stony Brook up next and then they've yeah, got the Arizona Seawolves. yeah so they've got some time to get healthy um but man what a huge win offense you know talked about the running game Anthony Brown he missed a, a few throws but on the road super loud stadium no big turn no turnovers no no big mistakes and he, and he made some nice throws on target on time. Um, I, I thought I thought there in the fourth quarter about midway through that they might they might let it slip away. Brown. Yeah, but, but they, they got the conversions they needed. Yeah. I mean that was good. I I get I get the Brown hype now. I mean after seeing that uh, Yeah, I mean the, the you know the just listening to the commentators just talking about it. I mean he he's a guy that went through I think multiple major knee injuries when he was in his time at BC and came back from that. So he's a super, you know, he's a, even for a COVID era, he's a pretty, you know, seasoned veteran and his, 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 you know, he played in the ACC. So he's played in a lot of hostile environments. So he's played in death Valley. So I think going into Ohio stadium, which is still a big deal. I and mean, anyone could get I, you know, any, a grown man could get nervous doing that. But like, he, he, he looked really calm and cool and collected the whole time. And, you know, they weren't highly penalized. They no. weren't, they, you know, they didn't get delay of game penalties or false starts. Um, had a couple of couple friends are Duck fans and expressed pretty big concern about Oregon's offensive line against after the first game. And they obviously played great. They kept, they kept him upright uh, and ran the ball really well. I mean, well. You can't run for 270 yards in Ohio Stadium and be upset about the offensive line. What was that cliche you were spouting last week? Well, I always say that yeah. the biggest adjustments are yeah. made from week one to week two. Yeah, you saw it with Oregon, and you also saw it with Washington and USC. But we'll touch on that. Uh, yeah, a couple, couple other things on Oregon really quick. <laughs> I mean, their defense. Oh, no. They gave, you know, kept held Ohio State under 30. Like, hugely explosive offense. Probably the best wide receiver core in the country. Almost, we talked about – sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say Stroud almost 500 yards passing. Uh, yeah, but it was a bin. It was a bin, yeah. bin, 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 yeah. bin. But barely don't break. Yeah. Um. Got turnovers. Um. Huge, huge fourth quarter interception. Um. You know, kind of forced him to make every throw and be perfect. And then in the fourth quarter, he obviously you know overthrew a guy on the sideline, and uh, safety yeah. came in and made a great sideline interception. Yeah, that was beautiful. Um. Man. Uh. And I think. Oregon got multiple big fourth down stops. So they yes, they gave up the yardage. Um but um fourth couple fourth down stops, one of which was in the red zone. Mm-hmm. So, um you know, just made they just made the big plays. Um so yeah, huge win for Oregon, big win for the conference, and we'll talk about a few other 
a few other teams down the line here where things didn't turn out as well for the Pac-12 in, you know, in the last week. No, I mean, I, I guess we can kind of touch on one of those right now uh, because it's our second biggest story. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is the only in-conference game of, of the week uh, was Stanford at USC. Stanford was 17-point underdogs going into the game. And we, we were sitting here last week. <laughs> Smugly. I, yeah, I was very, uh, you know, nay I say smarmy about how I thought USC would cover against Stanford, who looked horrible against K-State, yeah. barely sc- you know, scored a, a garbage-time touchdown but was otherwise completely ineffective on offense. And they, they you know, boat raced Helton, uh, to, to use one of your favorite phrases. Yeah. Um, final score is 42-28. It honestly wasn't even that close. Um, I mean, there, was, there was a pick six in there, but uh, I think clearly Stanford's offense has, you know, made big strides with Tanner McKee. And actually, you know, we talked about how some of these quarterback, you know, either bad decisions or indecisions might have held Pac-12 teams back last week. I think Tanner McKee looked really com- comfortable and confident. Um, USC did nothing to make him uncomfortable. Uh, and, and Stanford gets the win. And then, uh, you know, 48 hours later, Clay Helton, you know, we just found out today, um, is, is no longer going to be USC's coach, head coach going forward, which is pretty earth-shattering news. Week two yeah. of, of – week. Week two, week three, you know, of the, yeah, of the season. Yeah, after the second game of the year. Um, for, that, for that to go down, I think, is um, pretty shocking. Um, so, just, just given the nine lives he's had as, as a football coach. Yeah. It, it, a it, head football coach, it, I should say. Yeah, it's surprising because realistically, you're not out of the conference title race. No, not at all. Because this has... You you are playing a team in the north, so you control your own destiny still, and you're still firing your coach. Now, to your point, a long time coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, just to like, this is kind of going. Maybe we'll let's talk really quick about the about a couple other things on this game, right? It's like such an apt game for Helton to lose his job. Yes. Um, you know, the opening kickoff, USC's kicker. Uh, <laughs> does a launching headbutt in into the into the the ball carrier the returner um gets ejected for an illegal hit first play that your kicker getting ejected for an illegal hit is amazing unbelievable um they you know outgained stanford on on the night uh lost the turnover battle had nine penalties for 111 yards um and maybe most you know frustrating is like his, you know keaton slovis hasn't progressed as a quarterback. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is a, like supposedly an air raid or air raid light offense. And they're, you know, they're running seven yard outs and, and struggling to complete passes and string drives together. It's, it was a really poorly executed offense. Um, and, and just a really, it's really just a tough watch for what should be a super explosive, fun offense. Um, and so, um, you know, give credit to David Shaw and, and Stanford. They they played well, and they clearly made some big adjustments and some big improvements. Nathaniel Pete, an 87-yard touchdown run yeah. six minutes into the game. Yeah, yeah. I think, so Shaw said after the game, he felt like a basketball game where you just can't get a bucket and someone makes a deep three, and all of a sudden your team gets rolling. Yeah. And that's – maybe that's what it was. Maybe they just, you know, they just completely um, – you know, just couldn't get a bucket to drop. Uh, maybe it's a stop using mixed metaphors, but 
they, they, they couldn't get on the scoreboard against K-State and maybe just started doubting themselves and they got quarterbacks subbing in and yep, out. Yep. Uh, and, and they just got on a roll. But, I mean, this is this – is, uh, this has been a long time coming. So back, you know, Clay Helton's like, you know, OG story here, right? He, 2010, Kiffin hired him as quarterbacks coach. A couple of years later, promoted offensive coordinator. Now he's working under Kiffin, who's still calling all the plays. So being an offensive coordinator is kind of a mock title, right? 2013, same year, Kiffin's fired on the tarmac. <laughs> um, Ogeron takes over as interim, wins several games, but loses to UCLA. Finds out he won't be named head coach, quits in a huff, yeah. leaves the team for the bowl game, and Helton is named the second yeah. interim coach of that season, right? So he kind of like been seen as sort of one of the leaders in the coaching staff at that point in time, apparently. Um, you know, Ogeron quit because they named Sark as the hire. Sark's there for a couple of years. Helton's one of the few guys, I believe, that uh, Sark retained on staff. He kept him on as OC. Yeah. Uh, and then, so when Sark has his substance issues and is fired mid-season in 2015, Clay is named the interim. So he, he was kind of like, you know, next man up when the, when the general went down. They, they put together a solid season. They got a big win against UCLA. And kind of in the euphoria of that and winning the South, they named Helton the coach. Now, the very next game, they go out and lay an egg in the Pac-12 championship game. Game after that, they lay an egg. Were you at that Pac-12 championship game? Yeah, that was the game where Christian McCaffrey went off. He's still scoring, isn't he? (laughs) I mean, that that was one of the... I mean, we've talked about it before, not on this, because this is only our, what, fourth episode, but that's one of the most impressive games I've seen a player... From an individual offensive player. Yeah, like Uh, like 512. Running the ball, catching the ball. Returning the ball. Special teams... Like just yeah, heads and shoulders above the best best player on the field. And that's where I fell. Should have won the Heisman that year. Yes, yeah. Uh, that's where I fell in love with the Stanford band as well. <laughs> They're just that's trolls, right. just that's trolls. Right. So, kind of some ominous and a very ominous start to his career. But they won and the Rose Bowl the next year. Well, hold on. Though. Oh, sorry, so, sorry, getting excited. Lose the Pac-12 championship game, lose the Holiday Bowl. Next season, open against Alabama in Dallas, in you know, in the Arlington oh, yeah. Jerry, Bowl, Jerry World Bowl or Jerry World Stadium, uh, and lose fifty-two to six. Now that they he named Max Brown the starter. Max Brown played awful. Darnold came in kind of uh, in the third quarter when the game was clearly over it, yeah. and and and, um, and and showed some nice things. That I think I think it maybe took. Another game before they actually decided to go with Darnold. Yeah, I think I think it was three games and in then, before they. And then yeah, it's like the, for, the it fourth was, game. It's kind of like in retrospect, it's like, dude, that was you clearly just don't have an eye for this. But Darnold takes over as a starter and then lights a fire on this team. And so, I think a lot of people have always looked at Clay Helton as kind of hitting gold with this quarterback that he didn't recruit. It was Sark's recruit um, that he didn't actually want, you know, choose to be the day one starter. Um, but who, you know, wound up having a really nice career being a, you know, top five draft pick. Um, that, that was, that was an interesting year because Colorado won the South. Right. So USC did not go to the Pac-12 championship game, but they, they did uh, beat Washington. They, uh, they backed their way into the, the Rose Bowl, um, in 2016, well, January 1st, 2017, and had an epic, thrilling Rose Bowl win over Penn State. 
And I think you can look at 2016 and that Rose Bowl win and then look at the very following season, they actually did win the conference under Helton. Um, and then kind of lost um, pretty handily in a, in, in a Fiesta Bowl. Those were two nice seasons, you know, 10 and 3 and 11 and 3 seasons, a Pac 12 championship, yeah. USC's first and only Pac 12 championship. Um, give him credit that, that there were some high highs for, for his reign. And then I, I would say, but since 2017, uh, and since that loss in the Fiesta Bowl to, I believe, Ohio State, where they were kind of clearly outclassed, it's been kind of one frustrating thing after another. Um, you know, JT Daniels was the true freshman starter in 2018, a five and seven season. I think a lot of people expected Helton to be fired after that season, um, but he had already been renewed by Lynn Swan. And I think pe- people don't really know because USC is a private school, but I think there was too much guaranteed money on the contract. Um, and maybe they gave him the benefit of the doubt just because he had a true freshman starting a quarterback. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. 2019, JT Daniels gets hurt in the first game of the season. Uh, Slovis takes over. So again, like excuses are built into this. Well, we had our backup quarterback, eight and five season, didn't win the South, finished the year with a terrible recruiting class. And again, he kind of like staves off a firing when a lot of people expected yeah. him to be let go. Wacky year last year. 2020, COVID year. Yeah. Goes 5-0 and in the regular season. Um, but two, like we talked about a couple weeks ago, those two of those were like very, like... Yeah, Arizona, Arizona. Highly State, improbable yeah. comeback wins against mediocre teams. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, did play in the Pac-12 championship game, which they lost. Did they play? Because I remember watching. The first, <laughs> I remember watching the first half of that. They didn't show up for that. So yeah, I mean, just to recap, like on you know, I think he was forty six and twenty four. So not a horrible, you know. This is kind of like a maybe like a Frank Solich at Nebraska situation. Um, not, a, I wouldn't equate those two programs, but you know, not an embarrassing record, but just not the field, you know, product on the field that should be there for USC. They were one and two in Pac twelve championships under his. Uh, leadership one and three in bowl games, one and three against Notre Dame. You know, one thing that he ha- he had going for him, and it kind of uh, was, you know, I think maybe part you know one of the things he could always point to is he was four one against UCLA. Now UCLA was not exactly at their peak. No, in that time frame, but I think that that got him the job, and I think it helped him keep the job t- to a degree. Well, and and he did beat Washington in Seattle the year Washington was. Uh, you know, went went into the college football playoff. Probably one of the better teams that he faced. But yeah, uh, I mean, there there were there were some some high moments, but I think there were just too many um, inconsistent you know, games against mid majors where yep. they they the the starter should have been done in the third quarter, and he's still out there. Like J T. Daniels, the when he got hurt, that was in the third or fourth quarter against a team that had no business uh, taking the you know the, you know playing against the starter in the fourth quarter. Um, super sloppy, turnover prone. Um, you know, mentioned Darnold, mentioned Slovis. These are two like super talented guys, and for both, while both have had nice careers, their first years as starters might be their best years. Like, yeah, we will see with Slovis. There's still a lot of games to be played, and last year was kind of a you know a throwaway year. But um, man, you just for a guy that was a quarterbacks coach and offensive coordinator, really you know, puzzling um, to, to see a lack of development from the quarterback position. And, you know, 
he brought in Graham Harrell to run run the air raid two years ago and sort of save this offense, which you know, again, offensive minded coach with a terrible offense it's, looks like a problem. So, so it's a it's a it. I think what you what you look to now is at least the university. Mike Bone, the athletic director, has acted decisively. I think clearly he went into the season expecting to to make a change unless yes. something really was different. And clearly, after game two games, it was not. So we'll see where USC goes from here. They've got so all the time. I I just got a text message from a college football a Pac-12 fan. Uh, Alan Unzelman okay. asking me who is USC going to hire. Okay, so Pete Thamel, did I mispronunciate that? Uh, Thamel, yeah. Uh, here's his list: James Franklin, Matt Campbell, Bill O'Brien, Luke Fickle, PJ Fleck, Mario Cristobal, Greg Schiano, Tony Elliott, Chris Peterson, Bob Stoops. So that's a, that's a long list, and I think it might be a laundry list at this point. James, uh, James Franklin has always been. A name at the top of the list. Uh, just kind of always been one of the guys mentioned um, as, as being a potential hire. Luke uh, Fickle. I like two names on that list. Luke Fickle's interesting and, and yes, because and I'm not saying that I'm advocating for it, but he, you know he's the guy that Mike Bone hired at Cincinnati and who's led Cincinnati to become uh, you know arguably maybe would have could have should have been in, invited to the playoff last yep. year, a top ten team this year, great defensive team. What are you two 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 names that you like on that list? Yeah, no, no, Fickle and then Matt Campbell. So the thing about Matt Campbell is no ties to the West Coast. No, um, I think you know you've seen it this year. Like his his teams start slow. Yeah, um, barely beat Northern Iowa in their first game and got pretty well handled by Iowa in their second game. Um, and and while he's doing more with less, you can always make that case. I don't. I don't know. I mean, we'll see this season. I mean, he doesn't have a conference championship. So, like, where is the like elite coaching that he, you know he supposedly possesses? I just. I don't. I haven't seen. He hasn't done some. He's done impressive things. Yeah. He's got a big, a big uh, bull win this past season over over Oregon, right? I, yeah, but I'll tell you this. I understand what you're saying about the big things, but I mean. Using that transitive property, then Iowa State is the same as coaching at USC. No, it's not. Yeah. So I mean, I, I guess I just um, there's been head scratching losses in his tenure yeah. at Iowa State. But USC has shown they don't care about that. I mean, they let Helton run for seven years. <laughs> so I'm just saying there. I'm not saying there's other names I absolutely like. You know, honestly, the name that I might like the most on this list might infuriate some people, but Mario Cristobal doesn't seem like a bad hire. Now, I don't know that USC has the money or the or the power to really lure him. I think he's probably in a really nice position at Oregon. So um but but he's clearly building something at Oregon and and if you were just making a list of all potential names. The other thing my my buddy texted with me earlier today, a uh, USC fan was he was hope he, what he's hoping for is a uh Urban Meyer to have a, a Nick Saban uh, flame, well, flame out in the midseason flame out in the NFL and immediately return to coaching for USC. <laughs> so, so yeah, that that would be that would be great. I'll, I'll go through your list real quick. James Franklin never just been impressed with him. Always seems like he just never did. several top ten teams. Yeah, um, you know, but how, I don't. It's been a long time since they won the conference. Maybe yeah, not a long time. Several yeah. years. Yeah, few. Uh, Campbell, I like. 
Bill O'Brien. I don't get it. He was at Penn State. He's credited with good offensive yeah. line. He's gonna he's sitting under Saban, so he's gonna get this the Saban kind of like halo and, and try to get another head coaching job. Fickle, I think, is probably the best candidate. Uh, well, what, he's probably the top two candidate. Uh, PJ Fleck, that row your boat stuff isn't going to work at, in SC. He's a bit of a raw raw guy, right? Um, I I mean, at some point you got to figure. I, I think I would want it's kind of similar to Campbell. I, I would need to see. I would have wanted to see more of a step forward, like consistent movement forward for the program. I think he's in year three or four. Cristobal is the reason you'd hire Matt Campbell. In this sense, Cristobal is 27 and 47 at FIO. Hmm. You know, I mean, can you, if you're USC, do you really sell your fan base on a coach who's coached over 100 games and has a career losing record? Now, he's done great at Oregon. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm, and has won two of the Yeah, oh yeah, no. I, and I'm just. Elite I, recruiter. You know, it's it's a fake city, Rick, and they I, want the big things. These other names, I think, are, are throwaway, in, she, in my opinion. Yeah, no. Shiano, no. Uh, Peterson, I don't know. I think Peterson doesn't want to coach anymore. I don't said as much. Yeah, I think he's kind of almost like Urban Meyer, where it's like I, I'm not sure you burns want to hire out. someone who's going to burn out on you in three to five years. Stoops doesn't want to do it anymore. Stoops, I don't. I don't. Also, don't really get. Uh, Elliot's interesting. I mean, he's been the offensive coordinator for Clemson, but um. I don't know. Do you do you give the keys to an offensive coordinator? I'm not saying this is the list. No, no, I know. It's, I it's think a, this could be just a laundry list of names. I think if I had to, you know, pick out of this, maybe uh, honestly, Crystal Ball one, Fickle two, Franklin three. But um, you know, I, I'll think about it some more, and I'm sure lots more names will get thrown up against the wall in the next you know, couple of months, however long it takes. I don't think Urban Meyer's crazy. I mean, if he... It's not crazy. I think the thing, my, my hesitation with him is like, you know, it's going to be four or five years and he's going to have some angina and walk away again. So it's like, I mean, it, they'll probably be, four of those five years will be phenomenal. So it's like, why not, yeah. take, why not take the ride? And you're not too concerned about the probations. I mean, the, the best years under Pete Carroll were in probation. Oh, so, so, I mean, <laughs> it's gonna, you know, we're not worried about that. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, I, that's, that's plenty of time spent talking about USC. Um, big win for Stanford. Um, big news for the conference. We've talked about how um, USC has been dormant for too long and, yes. and uh, underperforming USC is not good for the conference. Um, and so what about uh, Shaw? No, thanks. No thanks. I mean, I I put him in. I mean, the, did you did you see did you watch Saturday? I put him in. I mean, he, he, I saw him running up and down on the field. I mean, this is this is not even fair to him because he's a better coach than Clay Helton. I put him in the category with Clay Helton, where he's a great guy. I just not necessarily want him to be my my coach. He's got a better career than Mario Cristobal. You want Mario Cristobal? Why wouldn't you want David Shaw? So uh, jumping over to some other games <laughs> for the conference, uh, you're, you're, you can't ignore that. You can't ignore it. There's a few conference titles in there. Look at that. There's three conference titles. Wow. Yeah. Um, 91 and 37 overall. Maybe, maybe I'm uh, too much of a Johnny-come-lately. I, I just The last couple seasons have been pretty underwhelming for them. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, definitely. Um, well, like you said. Has, has far more titles than USC so, under his belt. 
Uh, they would be lucky to have him. Now it's time for your uh, moment of torture, Tim. Let's oh, yeah, let's, let's do it. Mich- Michigan 31, University of Washington 10 in the big house. <laughs> well, speaking of teams that should be firing people this week, too. <laughs> and we should say this was a game we had talked about doing a Midwest swing. Um, yeah. And actually going to see Huskies at Michigan and then the next day drive down and see um, Seahawks play Indianapolis. Uh, didn't didn't end up working out for us, but it would have been kind of a mixed bag weekend. Seahawks had a nice win. That would have been this fun. Would have been yeah. a very very depressing Saturday, and we would have been depressed before we went in. Yes, and it would have just been a brutal sixty minutes of football to watch. It was painful enough to watch on TV. Why would we be depressed going in? After losing to Monte- uh, Montana. Oh yeah, sorry, sorry. Good point. <laughs> Good point. I, I I forgot about that. Um. No, you're right. And then also, like you said, it's, it'd be about a, what, three, four-hour trip to Indianapolis, and yeah. the game ended, what? We would have spent 15 hours driving around. <laughs> yeah. Through, uh, beautiful country, but, uh, you know, would have been also you know, driving around in the middle of the night. And, so. and the games, the game, the Michigan game, we would have had to have been in Indianapolis 12 hours after right. the Michigan game ended. We would have ended. been on, a, on, a, on our schedule. Man, things are really bleak on offense. I mean... It's 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 awful. I mean, Dylan Morris played much better. Um, Huskies ran the ball thirty-two times for fifty yards. Tim got and, out, got outrushed three hundred and forty-three to fifty. And McGrew didn't play again. Yeah, what, and what, not that McGrew. What's going on there? Uh, Lake was asked that in the post-game show. Refused to answer. No, said it's it's earned in practice. Jeez. So there's something going on there. Uh, on top of only getting 50 yards, uh, Newton fumbled the ball, uh, lost, lost the ball on a fumble. And some think Newton was promised a lot of playing time so he wouldn't enter the portal. That's, hmm. that's an urban let. You know, we, we don't know. Yeah. yeah. Message board fodder? <laughs> yeah, that's message board fodder. Okay. Uh, I, I asked this question last week. Yeah. I'm asking it again. Is this a <laughs> lost season? Uh, well, do you want the optimistic side or the pessimistic side? I want I want one answer. <laughs> I'm going to give you two answers. <laughs> no, uh, okay, let's just say we'll get to it later. They play Arkansas State this weekend. Okay. Arkansas State so, scored 50 points last week. They scored 43. UW is like, I think they're 16-point favorites, if I remember correctly. Uh, let's look really quick. 16-and-a-half um, right now. 16-and-a-half-point favorites. Why? This, they're going to... Well, we'll get to predictions later. Uh, you think they're going to lose this weekend. What have they shown to make you think they can win a game? I mean, they, they took steps forward this week. They, they got, couldn't... They got, they got 10 points. Their defense is... Their defense... Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. They, they added three points. So they'll score 13 next week. I think, I think anytime you can't run... You physically cannot run the ball, which is what they've shown the last two weeks... Uh, it's just hard to be optimistic about any game. Michigan threw 15 passes. Yeah. And they didn't have to throw. They why, didn't why have would, to throw. Why would you throw? Exactly. You know? And UW, supposedly this great defense, couldn't stop the run. I, I, took, I took a look at uh, Husky's schedule going forward. You know, obviously they've got 10 games remaining. The ESPN predictor, yeah. you know, which I think heavily is heavily influenced by who's at home. Yeah. Uh, still has the Huskies favored in six of those games. Um, not not heavily favored in all of them. Yeah. Um, I mean, there, but there's, you know, you've got Arkansas State and Arizona. Um, and you've got some teams like 
WSU and Stanford that we both thought would be on the weaker side. Huskies always struggle with Stanford, though. So Shot. yeah, like I, it's I, gonna be. I mean, they they miss USC. Not that USC is looking like a titan this year, uh, but I mean, no, they It's looking like a losing season like, at this and, point, and, and unless they a, and maybe a lost season. If they don't change, no, is a season lost right now? I can't say that it's not a lost season. Wait, yeah, did it, I, it's hard to. Did it, I grammatically say that correctly? This is probably a lost season. It's two games in. They could still win the conference. So, I mean, that's the glass half full. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> Mathematically, they could still, still win got the conference. conference still, uh, you know. But, I mean, the hope was the Oregon game was going to be a big game. I mean, there, there's. Yeah. There is no way at at whatever whatever scheme they're trying out right now. They're Oregon, gonna... Oregon, the Oregon game right now for a Husky fans feels like a, a, a final exam that you haven't even studied for. It's, it's like a, like a dream that you know, like one of those dreams you have where you haven't like studied for the test. Chip <laughs> Kelly versus Steve Sarkeesian. You know, I mean that's that's what it's like again. You know, uh, yeah. They, I mean, like you said, Arizona Wazoo. They should win those games. So yeah. I, I, I will say there's two wins. I, I really, I mean, I'm not trying to be funny. I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm tipping my hand for later. I, I, I don't think they're going to beat Arkansas State. Wow. I mean, that's, you know, maybe that's just, uh, you know, somebody who sat and watched the whole game and then listened to the postgame show. It's physically watch them play. Oh, and, it was horrendous. For any game. In the I mean, like, like you said, they can't run. Their defense... They knew what Michigan was going to do. Yeah. They couldn't, couldn't stop, stop it. And, um, you know, all their statistics came in garbage time. Okay. Uh, well, we, I won't step on hot seat, but obviously Jimmy Lake's feeling the heat. Um, a couple other game, you know, a couple other big non-conference games. BYU um, beat Utah. So BYU, we talked about basically the 13th conference team. They're now 2-0 in conference after... <laughs> Uh, beating Arizona and now Utah, yeah. 26-17 game. And they have another conference game this week. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so um, I think the the Charlie Brewer parade might be a little, you know, we want me to tamp down the celebration a little bit. He looked pretty limited um, and honestly looked like the second-best quarterback out there. Jaron Hall is a really talented player. He yes. looks really smooth yeah made some made some kind of zach wilson like throws across his body in you know on the run type stuff he's um he's got he got to work a little bit on the passing i mean 30 attempts 140 yeah yeah, yeah, he's young and maybe a little loose at the football but 92 rushing yards but he had a play where like the the pocket was collapsing and he was he was kind of like stepping back to his left and through right with almost and and put like a ton of zip on the ball he's obviously got a ton of just natural arm talent um, got loose outside the pocket for some big runs. He's a fun, exciting player. Um, for Utah, um, kind of a disappointing game for, for Charlie Brewer, um, like we mentioned. Uh, a third running back made an appearance. <laughs> Bernard, Micah Bernard, 12 carries, 146 yards. Yeah, so we talked about how maybe it was a one-man show. I think Tavion Thomas had a bad fumble. Mm-hmm. Um, Brewer also threw an, threw an INT, so they lost the, the turnover battle. Two to nothing, and you know, lose in a nine-point loss. They kind of point to the turnovers. Yeah, but I think I'm not sure if if the fumble was the reason they gave more carries to Bernard, or if he just kind of was the guy in rhythm and they they rode rode him. Uh, he twelve for one forty-six and a touchdown, like you said. You know um, that that was always. I mean, I, I'm just thinking while you're talking. You know, it, it, 
Do they need a change with coach? I mean, not not. I mean, at some point, I, I that might be. No, I, I I just mean at some point your message gets stale. I don't know if that's true in college. Maybe in yeah, that's NFL. true. Guys rotate four or five yeah, years. You always got young guys, and I mean Whittingham's. You know, taking them to places that that, that was only, another only Urban Meyer has ever taken them. And that was, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say that was another name that was always mentioned as a USC fan favorite. We didn't even mention him. You know, and we, I, I maybe I was a little bit um, cynical or smarmy. I, I I do think that you know having a, a high character. Yeah. Not that I know him, Kyle Whittingham, yeah. but yeah. I think having a guy who leads a clean program. And, you know, this is, these are college athletes. Like it shouldn't be just business. And, um, you know, and that's why in my heart of hearts, I was always kind of rooting for Helton to figure it out and turn it around. Even if it was just hiring the right coordinators and kind of being a, a, you know, a Bobby Bowden, just roaming the sidelines, chewing bubble gum and letting the other guys do the X's and O's. But you you want nice guys to do well. I I think frankly, it's hard for nice guys to do well in college football because it's not a, it's kind of a dirty game, and it takes a lot of time and energy. But Whittingham beat an Alabama team coached by Saban in a Sugar Bowl. I mean, I think I think there's you know, any every fan base ago. has things to be frustrated <laughs> about, right? Yeah. I mean, Britton Covey was like in my mind kind of like a potential conference, you know, um, you know, first or second team All Conference player. He's kind of like this Wes Welker type guy that makes plays. He's been really quiet, like kind of strangely quiet this year. Uh, they have a really good tight end, Dalton Kincaid, who just isn't getting enough touches. I, I don't. I think it's just maybe you got a transfer quarterback, and he just doesn't have that rapport rhythm. and yeah. rhythm, and um, you know hasn't been as plug and play as maybe Utah fans were, were hoping he would be. We I ragged on the Nakua brothers, Samson Nakua for BYU did have a touchdown in this game. It was kind of annoying to see him like waving his arms at the BYU fans when he, like, he played for Utah for four seasons, and then for him to just, like, completely switch alliances to their most hated rival, score a touchdown in this game, I don't know. LDS, baby, LDS. (laughs) I just didn't, I don't know. To me, it seems a little bit, I don't know. Still one of the best game. Still one of the best name of the game, though. Uh, man. So anything else? Anything else about Utah? I no, mean, it's I a mean, tough, tough non-conference loss for them as well, uh, and for the Pac-12. I think. Um, do you still have them win the South? Or are you kind of starting to question that? You know, if they would have beat BYU, it would have felt a lot better. I think BYU is going to win the South. There, they're two and zero. A couple other disappointing tight losses. Texas A&M beats Colorado ten to seven. Colorado played great. I mean. Their defense obviously played really well. They knocked Haynes King out of the game early. They got up 7 nothing early in the first quarter. Jarek Broussard got a touchdown. They led almost the entire game. And then 2.42 left. Oh, they they give up a drive. Um, you, know, you know, now they're behind 10-7. And they just, you know, I think they went four and out uh, to, to kind of end the game. But. That was pretty amazing when uh, Calzada ran and had a touchdown. In that oh yeah, that, and yeah. So they almost gave up a touchdown, and Colorado knocks it loose inches from the goal line yeah. for a touchback. It was amazing. I thought I thought they were gonna I thought they were gonna say that the call 
stood. Yes. One of those where they couldn't con- they yeah, could yeah, neither yeah. confirm nor yeah, they won't. Yeah, when it stands, then it means they didn't have enough they evidence. They didn't actually yeah, yeah. believe in the call. Yeah. Or they you know, couldn't prove it otherwise. I, I, I was really actually pleasantly surprised that they had the guts to overturn that touchdown. Um, and, and so, you know, Colorado, you know, again, stayed in the game until the very end and just fell just short. Now, we, we said we didn't, we, neither you nor I, I think, think that Texas A&M is truly a top five team. I think they're going to get in the, the SEC halo. Uh, this proves it. I mean, I, I know going to Boulder's tough and they knocked out your starting quarterback, but. I mean, they might not beat Arkansas the way Arkansas looked against yeah. Texas. So. Yeah. I, I, I just think, I know the elevation, if you're not used to it. Is weird. I don't. I don't buy. That. I know, but that's that's what I'm saying. But you, your your SEC honks who you love the South. They're gonna say make all these excuses in the world, but they went into Colorado, a mediocre Pac-12 team. Yeah, I mean, we, I was listening to um, Bruce Feldman and the, the Audible, their his podcast with Stuart Mandel, and he said he 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 thinks that Colorado is the fifth or sixth best team in the conference. Um. That may be a little bit harsh. I mean, I, given that how well Colorado, how nice of a Colorado season Colorado had last year, um, but uh, but I, I think they we they're not super explosive on offense, and obviously he scored seven points. That's so case. so here's it's not me to question uh, former Victory Bell winner Carl Durrell, but uh, former <laughs> UW offensive coordinator Carl Durrell. Did you look at their breakdowns? I mean, obviously their quarterback ran nine times scrambles. Broussard only ran 12 times. Fontenot only ran 12 times. In a 10-7 to 7 game... Quarterback ran nine times. Not, I don't know how many of those were scrambles, but... But I just don't understand. You know, if... You have the conference <laughs> offensive player of the year returning. And it's not a game where they're down 21-3 and they got to throw the ball. They did run the ball a lot. You know, they ran 38 times. So it's not like they were... They, I think they were trying to chew the clock. It is, yeah. it is kind of um, puzzling why Broussard didn't touch the ball more. 12 touches. I mean, I guess one, one catch for one yard. So 13 touches. I mean, that's your conference. The other thing is they don't... I mean, they didn't do... Uh, Brendan Lewis only threw the ball, like, I don't know, 15 times. Nine completions for uh, 70... Uh, for 89 yards, they you know threw for less than 100 yards. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So obviously, you know, obviously A and M has a decent defense, but um, just just tough. You know, have have them at home, have them on the ropes, and can't close it out. Um, yeah, it's too bad. I, I think Colorado played well, acquitted themselves well, um, performed well for the conference, but a loss is a loss. Well, and we'll get into it a little later. S- same but, same uh, theme for TCU at Cal. Oh, or sorry, uh, Cal at TCU. Yeah. Thirty-four, thirty-two loss for Cal. Kind of another shoulda, coulda, woulda. Garber is thrown for three hundred yards, baby. We were we were mocking him for being unable to throw the deep ball. He connected on completions of sixty-eight, forty-nine, and forty-two yards, and these were not catch and runs. He was throwing bombs. Um, so uh, shame on us for for uh, dumping Chase Garbers after one bad week last week. <laughs> TCU though just grinded him down fifty. Runs, 271 yards. It's really unusual to see a box score in college football these days with 50 runs. Yeah. That's, that's commitment. Yeah. <laughs> like you said, 271 yards. So 50 times over five yards per carry. Yeah. And it, was, um, it wasn't was super half, exotic man. stuff. They were just running off tackle. And I was, it was kind of we, – we, we praised Wilcox. I wonder, 
I wonder to what degree it's getting a little warm. Know, it's getting a little warm, baby. He's get he's gotten credit in the past for for the Reuters defense because this yeah. this 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 was a team that was not taking good angles, not tackling well. Um, I mean, like I said, these were not like it's not like they were running some some crazy exotic offense or or something. They just pounded the rock right down the middle, and Cal could not make the tackle and get stopped. Yeah, and and you know they they. Uh... Zach Evans, 22 carries, 190 yards. The previous week, five carries for 27 yards. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just... Um, yeah. They, so the other, you know, they lost by two on the road. And another thing you should mention, they were up 14 nothing last week against Nevada. Got up 12 nothing here. And they just kind of like have... Uh, I just kind of fall off in the second and third quarters and, yeah. and, and can't get the win. Well, they gave up two straight touchdowns and then... Yeah. The other thing was, you know, they, they scored a touchdown right away, um, and the holder botched the hold on the PAT, um, and so now, you know, now, now they have six instead of seven. And then late, later in the game, they went had to go for two again to try to tie it up. They, so that they, that key miscue in the first quarter, you know, winds up being the difference between at least taking TCU to overtime. Well, they had three different times where they had to. There was a second time after the second touchdown. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, so some kind of key. And then late in the game, yeah. Errors. Uh, TCU also went for two at one point when they were up 27-26. Right. But, yeah. yeah. So, one, it's a domino effect, and so it's, it's hard to say, well, because of this yeah. and that. Um, but in theory, if they don't wobble it around, right. it could have been 28-28 in the fourth. Right. And, um, yeah. So, disappointing for, uh, for Cal uh, and, and Wilcox. You know, we'll talk about hot seat rankings in a sec. Uh, it, you know, we've got a, a few other games here in, in the Pac-12. Don't want to completely ignore them. ASU, 37-10 over UNLV. This was a 33-point spread, so everyone expected a blowout. That's what it was. Um, Jaden Daniels, I think the only takeaway for me was he threw for 175 and ran for 125. Um, I don't normally think of him as that effective of a running quarterback, but that was pretty shocking. Uh, I don't have anything else to say about that game. Uh, no, not much. I mean, it 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 was, it was what it was. I mean, like you said, um, three hundred yards total offense. One of their defensive linemen had two sacks. Darian Butler. Okay. Um, Oregon State, I, I kind of again, a good win again, but against an overmatched opponent. Um, you know, we talked about how you know Stanford's QB choice or, or lack thereof in the week one was kind of questionable. Uh, I think similar for, for Oregon State. Um, now, Chance Nolan kind of confirming that he probably should have been the day one starter. 21 for 29, 309, two touchdowns. Um, B.J. Baylor from Texas, but grew up uh, 192 hours, or no, 192 miles southeast of Waco. 18 carries, 171 yards, yeah, three we, touchdowns. we talked about them needing to find the replacement for Jamar Jefferson. Who knows? Just one week, but... Seems like uh, B.J. Baylor might be the guy. Also, he did, did lose a fumble, but uh, had, a, had a really strong game. Also on defense, Avery Roberts, 12 tackles, one sack, two tackles for loss, one pass defense, one quarterback hurry. Granted, I know it's Hawaii, but there's a lot of stuff there. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a full stat line. Yeah. Uh, WSU 44-24 over Portland State. Um, again, game that they, we said – Rolovich had to win, and obviously the Cougars should win. 
Giving up 24 points to, to Portland State's a little, more than a little concerning, I would say. Jaden Deloria, I'd, I'd say, again, repeating myself, um, probably should have been the day one starter, kind of confirming that with his week two performance, 300 yards passing, three touchdowns. Um, Got to be worried about the defense. You said Borgie should get more touches. He got he, 13. I was going to say he didn't. Uh, Granted. 13 touches, but wasn't super productive, I think. Um, no, and, and also when you're playing Portland State, yeah, you know, I mean, they were up thirty to nothing in the second quarter. So, it's I mean, Portland State got two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Last game to cover Arizona, um, absolutely destroyed by San Diego State. This was like a you know a one point spread, um, and they were you know, at home. Uh, they were down twenty one to nothing within the first eight minutes of the game. I mean, this was an absolute drubbing. Yeah, not not much. I mean, I I don't really. I mean, I. Thought Arizona was. <laughs> I, I thought they looked, I thought they put up a fight against BYU in Week One, and this was. I mean, maybe maybe, they, maybe this is a, a, a you know the deal where they poured their whole off season into that first game. Yeah, didn't get the win, and and weren't able to kind of like retool and get ready for the next week. And, and you know, San Diego State, they're two and zero. They're a good program. I mean, they've been. Brady Hoke is back at the helm. Granted, he yeah. failed at Michigan and he failed his interim at Oregon and interim at Tennessee. I he guess had a, he had a smile on his face last night or on Saturday night. Was he an interim at Oregon or he was DC at Oregon? But regardless, I know yeah. he was an interim at Tennessee. Uh, yeah, but again, here's another team. We, we were talking about TCU running the ball 50 times. Yeah. 55 times for 271 yards. Meanwhile, Arizona ran, got 49 yards rushing. Um, <laughs> so they've, they've got time to kind of regroup they've got northern arizona this week but after that they go to oregon so they, yeah they better get right fast they better yeah um well, we've talked about this past week uh should we take a break and come back take with, a quick uh, break talk about yeah. where the conference stands let's do it all right so we're back after the break um tim we talked about oregon had a huge win yes um some tough losses for a lot of the other teams in the conference yes. uh this past week um, so where does the conference stand? Are they, are, they, are they better or worse off this week than they were last week in terms of odds of putting a, a team up into the playoff? Basically, you need Oregon and UCLA to have, go undefeated or have one loss and yeah. meet up in the conference title game. Yeah, I was going to say that I think, I think our odds are worse because it's just you know, fewer horses in the race at this point. Um, you know, and the, the odds of, like we said, you need, you need a team to have – 12 or 13 wins. Yeah. Uh, you're not going to have a two-loss team making that, uh, making the playoff. Out there of there should be no world in which Ohio's, a one-loss Ohio State gets over a one-loss Oregon. Right. But so, so, yeah, that's the good news, right, is you've got, you've got a, a, in terms of the biggest matchup of elite teams, uh, Pac-12 came out on top. Yeah. But, I, you know, Utah going down. SC going down kind of eliminates two contenders. The only other yeah. team, you know, ASU has had a Sherman soft That's true. schedule. That's true. They're still undefeated, so they're still there. I just I don't know that they've shown. Um, you know, they were only up I think fourteen to ten. Yeah. Uh, this past week, so they just haven't been dominant yet. Now maybe no. they're maybe they're holding all their cards close, but um, I, you know, I, I think things are not bleak. I think it's just it's really is. Yeah, like you said, a two-horse race for, mm. for a, a realistic playoff spot. Uh, is You've got Oregon UCLA. They're undefeated, and they both have 
big non-conference, yeah. high visibility wins early in the season. Yep, and it doesn't. And UCLA did it at home, but Oregon did it on the road. Like I said, if Oregon and UCLA or if Oregon and Ohio State are both one-loss conference champions, and Ohio State makes the playoffs. Yeah. Over them. I mean, that'll be... The other thing you have to look at is you have to look at other conferences, other teams, you know, and, and you know, the Pac-12 has to make their own case, but you're also, you know, going up against outside forces as well, right? So, yeah, I mean, this is... I'm not saying this is a big playoff uh, Im- implicator, but uh, FSU losing in somewhat humiliating fashion to Jacksonville State, like, that's a blow to the ACC. Absolutely. They did not have a good first week. Uh, now Florida State, who, you know... Historically, one of their premier teams. Now they're now zero and two. It really, you know, does look like, you know, it, it just really weakens Clemson's case. When you know, even if they go undefeated the rest of the way, they lost their big non-conference game. They've got, yep, you know, some cupcakes, and then they've got AC, an ACC schedule full of cupcakes as well. Yeah, they're out, they're out Pac twelve in the tw- uh, the and then Pac twelve right you know, now. The Big Twelve. Uh, we talked about Oklahoma almost getting beat by Tulane at home last week. This week, Texas got absolutely humbled by Arkansas, and Iowa State got whipped by Iowa. So, you know, another conference where two of maybe their five potential playoff teams got wiped off the board this past week as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, yeah, I, I think you know the the path the number of paths has narrowed, but I don't think the the Pac twelve chances of an individual team making the playoff have particularly dimmed this past week. The only, only other thing, the only other wild card is always. You got Cincinnati as kind of maybe the um, group of five, group of five potential representatives in the playoff. Now, I think the athletic directors will conspire to ever prevent that from happening. Oh yeah, honestly. Um, and then the only other one is is Notre Dame, who's crashed the party multiple times. They're two and zero, but they barely oh squeaked by and, and and barely beat Toledo this past week. So I don't think no they're looking like a team that's going to run the table. No, no, yeah. Oh, and even if they do. I don't know. I mean, if they're I mean, squeak- if, if Notre Dame goes undefeated, they're probably in. I just, I just even if they squeak by, yeah, I guess you're right. They, they've got a, a strong enough schedule yeah. in aggregate that I, I think they probably are, but I, I, I don't see that happening. No, no. And, and then once they lose one, then people start looking at these other narrow yeah. squeaker victories yeah. and kind of yeah, you know, little side eye. All right, so Pac-12 is in okay shape still. Um, moving on to one of. Our favorite segments, the hot seat rankings. Yes. Now, unfortunately for Clay Helton, he's been unseated and is no longer eligible. Oh uh, well. To be, <laughs> I, full disclosure: he was number two in the rankings. <laughs> oh, like but coming in cold. Coming in cold. Him. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we didn't even talk about him last week. No. I mean, they they had a solid game against. I mean, I don't. I don't think either of us. You know, Mike Bone, the athletic director for USC, just I, he's he hasn't said anything to really put. Clay Helton on his guard and, yeah. and to put him on notice. So I think it was pretty shocking for them to act this decisively. Now, I, I mean, you can put him on your rankings. I, I would say he's, he's you know, as of the taping of this podcast, he's no longer eligible <laughs> given that he's not on the Well, we, we could also make him number one because, yeah, he should, be, he should be on top. Well, okay. Then I'll give you my rankings without him. Three, I mentioned, I kind of teased it earlier, Whittingham. Oh. Might be might be time for a new voice I think at that, Utah. Uh, I disagree, but uh, well, the, the the problem is this is this the, the, that's the first time they've lost to the to uh, BYU in nine years. Good point, but you know what? All things must end, Cody. All good things must come to. I, I guess the problem with these 
the fundamental problem with these rankings is it's kind of hard to, uh, to have. I guess I guess I could leave Rolovich. I mean, I had Rolovich at three. I guess leave Rolovich still at three. I mean, they they beat Portland State, but good they should, even though Leach right. lost to them. I just I think things could get pretty bad pretty fast there. Yep. Uh, two. Who do you have it to? You had Wilcox. I yeah. We're gonna have the same. We're gonna have the same. I mean, there's um, two games where. They're both woulda, coulda, shoulda games, and when you have that kind of a game, you have to look at the coaching staff. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and then, obviously, one. I mean, Jimmy Lake is uh, sc- scorching hot at this point. It's, it's, I've heard some people say that they think um, no matter, almost no matter what happens that he gets a pass on this year. Yep. Just because he's you know, shortened season last year. This is his first full season. Yep. I don't see how you could have a, you know, a, a two-win Husky team that was talking Rose Bowl before the season. I don't see how he escapes that. E- even a five-win season, in my mind, he, they should move on. They don't make the playoffs. He should move on. Yeah, and I mean, you know, uh, they don't I, make the playoffs. They're no, 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 no. Sorry, bowl game. Oh, bowl, bowl game. Yeah, if yeah. they're not bowl eligible, yeah, bowl eligible, which is a which is a playoff <laughs> postseason. Uh, but uh, I'll, I'll tell you this: playoffs, playoffs, <laughs> playoffs. Uh, um, and I'll give credit to a university, Oregon. University of Oregon, uh, Slingblade had him in the national <laughs> title game, and they follow that up with they go they they had he had two great years, and then they kind of had a downer year, and then he went four and eight, and he was out the door. Right, and decisive, decisively high standard. Yeah, I mean Washington is only two seasons removed from a Rose Bowl appearance, which was followed up. Which was, excuse me, which was preceded by a Fiesta Bowl and a Peach Bowl appearance. Peach Bowl being a playoff. And there is no world, COVID year, everybody gets a mulligan on that. But I'm sorry, you look at, you look at the guys that have been... The product's on the field to see. Yep. And, and you look at guys who were in better, but similar situations. The, uh, even, a, even a Crystal Bowl. You know, Mario Cristobal, he got, he he took over and he got that program. I also think there's, you know, there's maybe less grace when the coordinator or the assistant takes over. Yeah. Because the, you know, with a new coach coming in and theoretically install, like someone coming in from the outside and installing all new, Mm -hmm. um, a whole new culture, a whole new set of systems. Like maybe you don't have the right guys for the scheme. Yeah. Maybe there's a season or two of grace there, but like this should this was supposed to be seamless. This was yeah. Chris Peterson passing the reins to a trusted assistant, a supposedly elite recruiter and developer of talent. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, I mean, they liked him so much they basically kicked the other DC to the curb. Right. And so you, you got you know, you know, and you you've got kind of rumblings and frustration and muttering about recruiting going into the season you know, before this debacle even started. Yes. It's going to be really tough for them to put together a recruiting class with the way things are going. Yeah, and, and ultimately, and, and the, other, the other ones I was going to say, at a higher level, both Ohio State and Oklahoma in recent years have had coordinators take over and, and not skip the beat. Right, yeah. You know, and... Gone pretty well for those. Yeah, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying <laughs> UW is Oklahoma or Ohio State by any means, but... no. But the, the, there was always the potential for that same thing to happen. You know, yeah. you have the, 
Uh, you're gonna know this, and I'm not. Who's the guy that took over for Miami and got L- uh, Coker? Yeah, you got Larry the Larry Coker. Cokers who yep. you know, or maybe this, you know, the Helfrich. Who yeah, it's Benefit from you know the what, yeah the the structure and the machine yeah. that has been built for them and run it. You know, manage to drive you know drive it through for a, a yep. championship, but can't sustain that success. Yeah, this is. This is that in a much more. I mean, even even I'm uh, not the version be, where Lane Kiffin, you know, I mean, yeah, taking over at SC, yeah, no, so it's yeah, it's uh, like I said, we'll it get can to go the picks. both ways, and right now at UW, it looks, it looks like it's unfortunately going uh, yes. the worst of ways. Um, so conference awards, uh, offensive player of the week, I have CJ Verdell. Uh, yeah, I mean, Verdell, uh, 161 yards, two touchdowns, um, just. How key he was in clutch moments of the game. Are yeah, you, are you good with Verdell? Or you have I, I'm good with Verdell. Time? I mean, I, I know it was. I know it was. Uh, I mean, I'll give Tanner McKee some love. I mean, yeah, you know, nice game. Nice game. First first start. Yeah, and uh, on the road, sixteen to twenty three, two thirty four, and two touchdowns. Also ran one in. Uh, on defense, you you stepped on earlier. I think I just love these stuff stat sheets. Avery Roberts for Oregon yeah. State, granted against Hawaii, uh, but it is uh, you know a Division one team. So twelve tackles, one sack, two tackles for loss, a tip pass in a hurry. That's that's an incredible stat line. Uh, who you got for special teams player? Of the week? Special teams. Uh, I'm going to go Stanford again. Their punter Ryan Sanborn uh, had a 59 yard punt in the game. I mean, but a lot, a lot of punter love the last couple. Well, of weeks. I mean, not a lot of big returns, not a lot of like high field goal games. Or no, I mean, and nobody's hitting a game winner yet. And 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 again, when you're playing Hawaii, UNLV, um, a lot of these guys, Portland get, State, get DQ'd based on the opponent. Yeah, sure. it's tough. I, I mean, I do think it's maybe a little troubling that we've highlighted punters for the Pac-12 the last two weeks, but you know, hey, it's part of the game. They've over the years. If you're a punter, you want to go to Pac-12 school. You're going to get a lot of practice. Being having a great punter is like having a great middle reliever. No one gets excited about it, you know, but you sure like to have it. And it's certainly better than the alternative. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Coach of the week. I don't think. I don't think you can debate with me that it's Mario Cristobal. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think that's uh, – I mean, uh, debating. You could I, say David Shaw. David Shaw, like, yeah. Turning, you know, I mean, because we – I mean, last week we were so down on David Shaw. So – Mario Cristobal delivered one of the biggest wins in Oregon's program's history. Yep. Probably at least a top 10 win. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, you got to go regular season, right? Because bowl games and conference title games are different. But regular season wins, it's probably... I would say even all time, it's probably a top tenner. Yeah, I mean, it's not as good as Wheaton's pick against UW because they're mm-hmm. probably not going to be playing that on their stadium before every game. But uh, I think they'll be pumping out highlights from this one for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, goat of the week, I think, it's, I think it's Clay Helton. Do you have any other thoughts? <laughs> Yeah, seventeen point favorites at home against a Stanford team that barely scored against Kansas State, and you you give up forty two points and uh, uh, play poorly enough to lose your job. I might be your, too your, close your kick, to say kicker has a. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think Clay Helton could be. Um, yeah, I I mean I think Jimmy Lake Fair. could also be just just based on. You, you were inept against Montana, and you came out, and you were similarly inept against Michigan. Now, granted, the quality of opponent's better, but 
They couldn't stop the run, and the offense was lethargic. Well, from a purely biblical perspective and the, the concept of a scapegoat, uh, Clay Helton's literally putting all the sins of the program on him and getting run out of town. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with Helton. In a scapegoat, I, yes. I, 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 uh, I respect if you're choosing Lake. That's, that's fair. Oh, no, no. I'm saying you could make. I mean, you know, it's not... Uh... Best moment of the week for me. Uh, I love when a holder botches a snap. And for Cal, especially on the first one, watching him, he's got multiple guys coming for blood at him, and he had to pick, he had to fumble, you know, run after it, fumble with it a little bit, pick it up, and make a very like, uh, almost like a two-handed forward throw, just to try to like, you know, have a have a pass to to not, you know, blow the play dead and not not give up two points the other way. But it, it almost looked like what you or I would look like if we had a yeah. chance to throw a real pass in a college game. Yeah, and just, just a, a duck. A pathetic duck <laughs> into the ground. It's just, it's just nice to see non-quarterbacks have to make a throw sometimes. Uh, my favorite play was we mentioned earlier in the Texas A&M game, that defensive stand where... Uh, Knocks, the, knocking the ball out right before it crosses the goal there line. There was literally... That is as close as you can get yeah. to the ball coming out and then them recovering it. And then also good on... I mean, we always... Make fun of the Pac-12 refs, and they're typically yeah. horrendous. That was an amazing... Got it right. Got it right. Okay. Uh, jumping into our picks, just to recap last week. Um, Tim, you were... Um, six. We were both 6-4 and four in conference. I don't think we disagreed on anything. Um, so we, we both got the same games right or wrong. I was 2-1 and one out of conference. We we both like Texas and got that wrong against Arkansas. Um, you were one and two out of conference because you had Iowa State over Iowa. So uh, for the season, I'm I'm fourteen and nine in conference. You're 15, no sorry, I'm thirteen and nine in conference. You're fifteen and seven. So you got a two game lead on me in conference games. I'm 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 four and two out of conference. You are a woeful one and five. That's all right. I don't care about other conferences. I only care about the Pac-12. That's right. This is a Pac-12 <laughs> podcast. But we got you got to have a non-conference schedule. Uh, right now, your out of conference schedule kind of looks like the Pac-12. Pac-12. Yeah. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Um, all right. So uh, last full slate of uh, kind of non-conference games. Mm-hmm. We'll have fewer and fewer games to talk about after this week. Unfortunately, um, let's go right down. Minnesota at Colorado, Colorado minus two. Uh, I'm going to go Colorado. Uh, Minnesota, I thought, you know, they lost Ohio State by 14. But they've only beat Miami of Ohio by five points. Going on the road to Colorado. I like Colorado and how they've played defensively. I think they get it done as well again this, this week. And, and, not, and Minnesota's not going to pass the ball. They're going to run the ball. So if, if uh, Colorado's run defense shows up. Yeah, they've got they've got Nate Landman's gonna make a bu- get a bunch of tackles this week. Also, no sack. I believe Minnesota stat I read no sacks as a team. Yikes. So, uh, Idaho at Oregon State. Oregon State should roll. Yeah, this is formerly would have been a D one game, but uh, or Idaho dropped to FCS. Oregon State. Yeah, I mean, Idaho beat Simon Fraser sixty eight nothing and lost Indiana fifty six fourteen. Yeah. USC minus eight and a half at WSU. This is kind of an interesting game. I mean, the USC team has got to be shell shocked. Their defensive backs coach is now their. I mean, he was the associate head coach, but yeah. not even a coordinator. Um, I think USC bounces back. I'm not trying to be too much of a homer. I think it's very easy to pick WSU in this game. I think USC looked lethargic and shaky. 
I think I generally buy the narrative that teams kind of rally in moments of crisis like this immediately after a head coaching change. Um, I don't know. What do you think? There are about uh, seven or eight coaches I would pick to be in this position that Rolovich is in. He's not one of them. <laughs> okay. uh, I'd pick USC. Uh, I just don't trust Rolovich. I mean, if it was if it was Utah – I mean, if it was Oregon State, I would have more confidence in Jonathan Smith to win this game. I'm also like a little – like WSU's defenses just look really bad. So, um, And you get the old dead cat bounce. So – Sac State at Cal. I think Cal finally gets their first yeah. win. Yeah, Sacramento State uh, lost to Northern Iowa last week. Beat Dixie State. But, uh, yeah. I don't have a lot to say about either of those programs. Arkansas yeah. State at UW. 16.5 point spread. You doing it? You're picking Arkansas State. They have scored 90 points so far this year. Uh, they run. They As run compared to UW, who scored seventeen. Seventeen. They they go with two quarterbacks that have each have fifty pass attempts. They both they both played in both games. Uh, one's a Florida State transfer, James Blackman. Uh, they also have three wide receivers that all have at least two hundred yards. Jeff Foreman, uh, TCU, uh, to Valiance Hunt and Corey Rucker. I UW strength is their defensive backs, so maybe. But I have seen nothing. They made no adjustments from week to week. I don't know why they would make adjustments this week if they haven't fired anybody. I think Arkansas State's going to win. I think they stopped the bleeding. I don't think it's going to be a very pretty game. And I think it's going to be a pretty small, apathetic crowd. It's going to, even, even in a win, it's, it, the optics are not going to be I good. might be there. I might be there. Okay. Well, I hope you enjoy your visit to the corporate stadium that you've still... Oh, man. I know. All right, Utah, minus seven at San Diego State. So uh, suddenly, you know, I think people thought San Diego State was going to be terrible this year. This is a suddenly, you know, looks like a pretty interesting game. Um, Now, San Diego State, second in the Pac-12 South behind (laughs) BYU. (laughs) Uh, I think Utah will bounce back, but um, maybe that's just having a Pac-12 lens on it. Uh, what do you think? This I, is on the road at San Diego State. Yeah, I think San Diego State's going to win. Okay. I mean, they're they're, I mean, yeah, there's a good running team with yeah. Greg Bell. B- BYU did have some success running the ball, so um, Utah's got to tackle a lot better this week. Yeah. Uh, Stony Brook at Oregon. Oregon. Okay. Yeah, we don't even need to talk Stanford, about that. Stanford minus eleven at Vandy. I, I think Tanner McKee stays hot and, and has another nice game and, and actually. You know, Stanford bounces back really nicely from what was a pretty horrific first week of the season. Yeah, Stanford's getting 11 points. Um, Vanderbilt lost to East Tennessee State. Right. 23-3. to uh, And then they beat nice. Colorado State 24-21. But Colorado State lost to uh, um, South Dakota State the previous week. Man. So Colorado – so – I don't as, know as what we discussed. This transitive property breaks down in college football. Yeah, I know as it does, but just really like I mean, they got they they yeah. There's I don't know if Stanford should be eleven point favorites, but Stanford seems to be a lot better team than Vandy. Yeah. Okay, Northern Arizona at Arizona. I think we all both expect Arizona. Arizona win. should I'm, win. I'm not opining on the spread, but I think they'll win. There's no spread. Um, well, I just mean. Oh yeah. What what the? You know, yeah, what they lost to uh, Brian Kelly's alma mater, Northern Northern Arizona, did uh, 34 to seven last week. So. Yikes. Um, and then uh, last last game, maybe it was slightly more interesting. Um, Fresno State at UCLA. Oh, you forgot one. Oh, I did. I'm sorry. It's for the battle for the Pac-12 South. 
ASU and BYU. Oh, goodness gracious. All right, I apologize. What's the spread on that one? Three and a half for Arizona State on the road. Um, yeah, clearly I was making my notes quickly. I think, um, I think BYU wins. They're, they're, they're looking well. I think, I think their young quarterback is going to start, um, is going to continue to gain in confidence. It's going to be close, as BYU games are. I, I hate picking against the Pac-12, but I, I think, um, I think BYU gets it done. Yep, BYU, uh, they, I mean, like I said, they, 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 are, they are smart. I mean, that, that's, it won't happen, but that's a team they go undefeated. They could sneak... And I, and I should, you know, they just, they've proven more on the field in two weeks than what we've seen from Arizona State against, you know, weaker competition. So I hope Arizona State proves, proves us wrong and that yeah. there are still three potential playoff teams from yeah. the 12 next week. It would be nice, but BYU is, uh, they're solid. And like I said, I mean, I've, I've, I've been beating that joke into the ground, but uh, they will be going most likely to the Big 12 in no, they will. They will be. It's, yeah, it's, it's, formally, it's, it's formally announced. So there you go. Uh, good football program, though. Uh, Sataki, another uh, another uh, USC. Uh, uh, gosh, no, I think I it's, don't see it happening. No. All right, now the actual last game: Fresno State at UCLA. UCLA favored by eleven and a half. Um, UCLA is rested. Uh, had a bye week last week. I think they continue to run the ball well. They've got enough defense to contain Hayner. I don't think it's a, a blowout, but I think, you know, it's it's a 10-point game. Yeah, kind of kind of uh, the way the schedule shakes out, Fresno gets the two best teams in yeah. the conference. And that will probably be their only Tough two draw. losses. Yeah. State. yeah, you know, you might. And if they keep it, if they only lose by a touchdown, I mean, if, and they run the, you know, Same they run the table, West. I mean, they could be a the group of five representative right. in a bowl game. But, uh yeah, no, I mean this. Not if Cincinnati stays undefeated. Yeah, Cincinnati, yeah, Cincinnati will be the one. Uh, yeah, no, I think UCLA wins. I mean, the previous incarnations of this UCLA team, uh, I would think Fresno might pull off the upset, but uh, Chip Kelly's got something, something different going on. So Colorado, another chance to um, make the statement for the conference. Uh, you know, Arizona State with kind of a, a must-win yeah. game for the conference. I think, out yeah, of, out of conference. Because if BYU gets three conference wins, I mean... You know, Stanford absolutely has the win. UCLA has the win. Um, Utah, Utah suddenly with a kind of dicey out-of-conference game and then several cupcakes. Yeah, so BYU, BYU is... What, they played five Pac-12 schools this year? They played five. They've yeah. already, already knocked off Arizona and Utah. Yeah. And I they, mean, they have... Arizona State for the conference. They have Washington win. State. After, after Arizona State, they have Washington State and USC. Yeah. So, non-conference games. Uh, as we wrap up here, uh, Bama favored by fifteen and a half at number eleven Florida. I think I I, I'm, I don't it's Bama. think I'm ever going to pick against Bama in the regular season. Yeah, yeah until Saban's gone. Yeah. Uh, number twenty-two Auburn. Even when Saban's gone, they'll, they'll they'll have enough talent the next the following <laughs> be two someone, years. They'll uh, be rest- coasting on that. They'll be they'll be a Larry Coker there. They will. Uh, number twenty-two Auburn at number ten Penn State. Penn State favored by six. I'm going to go Auburn. Why is that? They put up a ton of points. They have been. They've, uh, yeah. I like Penn State. I don't, I, I don't like uh, an SEC team traveling not far from home. That's true. That, that's a good reason. Uh, Harson has done a good job of keeping um, some SEC coordinators yeah. around. And so uh, it's not, you know, I mean, they kind of, I think he's been maintaining well. Very, very pleasant surprise. 
last non-conference game, uh, Purdue at Notre Dame. Notre Dame favored by seven. Uh, this is this is my upset pick. I'm going to take Purdue to, to beat Notre Dame. And Notre Dame's looked really shaky the last two weeks. Um, it's it's a road game for, for Purdue, but I think uh, you know Notre Dame doesn't have all the horses and kind of have struggled to run the ball. And uh, I think Purdue could pull off a big upset. Yeah, I'm going to go Notre Dame. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't think either team's good. Uh, a better a better uh, Big Ten team, I think, would win. But well, clearly, a lot happened this past weekend that neither of us expected. Something happened today with Clay Helton being fired that definitely neither of us expected. Yep. Uh, even after the Stanford loss, that's uh, one of the things about. Uh, college football is so fun it's so unpredictable so I yeah. guess we'll see what happens this week and look forward to talking to you next week about uh, the chaos that ensues yep this has been Best Coast Football <laughs>